it. Okay. All right. So we're holding over here in the middle of the Maimer, Vayikachaman es alavush vesasus. And um, as I mentioned before, I was very bothered before because when I was learning the Maimer, because don't understand anything in this mimer. <laughs> but then I, it dawned upon me that, uh, what do you expect? It's a, it's a Purim mimer. Since when are you supposed to understand the Purim mimer? If you understand the Purim mimer, that's, I mean, it's a simile, you're not tapping into the mimer. The mimer is an Adaloyada, it's on the level of Adaloyada. Okay. Um, no, what do I mean I don't understand? I mean, of course, the mimer is beautiful. There's so many Gavaldi and Yana, but. You know, sometimes when you feel the you broke open like to the core of the mimer, then all the pieces that seem not to make any sense at certain points suddenly fall into place. And that didn't happen yet for me in this mimer. So I feel like I'm still on the outside of it. I'm not yet inside. But maybe we learn together. We'll uh, it'll it'll happen. The Abishtas health. Um, we're holding Sivav. That's on Paragvav. That's on page Kufchav. Second page of the copies that I gave you. By Vizahu Kisirkavalsusacha. But let me just do a brief little something that we can understand what we learned last week and the continuation. The Alter Rebbe over here, up till now, was trying to explain the Indian of the Sus. What's the idea of the horses? Haman goes and he takes the horses. He says, let's bring the horse. They take the garment of the king and the horse that the king was riding on. And it's interesting, as soon as Haman mentions the garment and the horse and all of this, it's exactly at that point that there's a turnaround. Because that's when, you know, Ahasuerus says, go do that to Mordechai HaYehudi. So there was something that triggered when Haman was trying to get a hold of that horse. We're going to see in the Mimer that the, the main element that caused this big, tremendous shift in Hashem's, in Hashem's um, conduct, and Hashem's attitude, that until that moment he was willing to allow Haman to wipe out the Jewish people. Like you see that when it says that the king removed his, his tabas, when the king removed his ring, and he gave it to Haman, we know whenever it says king, it's referring to the in the Megillah, it's referring to the king on high. That means that the king on high was ready to, God forbid, to destroy all the Jewish people. And then, it, with this little encounter between Haman and, um, with this encounter between Haman and Achashverosh, it's at that point that everything is revised and everything is turned around. And the king says, nah, nah, nah. Uh, he changes, go for them. It was at that night when the king couldn't sleep. So, so is there really a connection to this horse? So the Alter Rebbe begins to explain, what is the idea of the horse? And uh, so the idea is as follows. The horse represents pride. The horse has a lot of pride. Horse, when a horse, especially a racing horse, it, it, it really knows... It, it, it appreciates the applauding. It really does. It has a sense of... Uh, 
a king rides on a horse because it adds to the roimimus, it adds to the exaltedness. It adds. Generally, um, pride and a sense of a sense of importance is in Belash and Achasidis, it's Bal Yero, Bal Yamatza. Yashus, a sense of I am, I'm a somebody, I'm a something, is completely something that we have to rid ourselves completely because that consciousness of self is the ultimate block for, for the divine, for godliness. He mentions in the beginning of the Mimer that uh, all Yehudim, all unifications happen in the world through the Talmud Chacham. Now what does Talmud Chacham mean? A student of Bittl. Chacham is Bittl Chacham. Talmud Chacham doesn't mean just someone who's a big scholar. Talmud Chacham means someone who's a recipient from Chachma. Someone who's battle betachlis. It's only over there where God resides in. Hashem only resides, the Alter Rebbe explains it in Tanya, in the name of his teacher, the Holy Magid, that this, the sphera, the attribute where Hashem resides in, connects to his sphera sachachma. And when Hashem, for instance, resides in any other attribute, like Bina or Netzach, it's only through the lavush of Chachma that Hashem enters into those, into those um, spheros, into those attributes as well. But the Ebishter cannot make contact or will not make contact with any sphera if it's not if he's not first enclosed, enclosed in the in the in 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 the attribute of Chachma. Why? Because Chachma, like we also learned, we learned it in Tanya. That the, the code, in every world there's a Kodesh HaKadashim where God makes contact with that world. And in the Kodesh HaKadashim, at which point does God make contact? In the Aron. And in which point in the Aron and the Luchos? What's the Luchos? The Luchos of the Torah. And the Torah is Chachma. And what is Chachma? Koach Ma. The power of Bittl. The power to be completely and totally nil and void and nothing in, the, in front of God. To the point where I don't even exist. That, that turns you into a keli to receive the orain sof. If, if you have a, a matzias, if you have any sense of self, self-awareness, that causes a, a separation. As we say, especially if it's pride and haughtiness, Hashem cannot reside where there is gaiva, where there is a... Yet, the, um, and here we're saying that the horse is pride. And, but the, the Gemara says an interesting thing. The Gemara says that a Talmud Chacham needs to have a Shminis Shebeshminis. You have to have 164th of, 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 of pride. So, why, what, is this, what does that mean to have a 164th of pride? Why in the world would you say a Talmud Chacham Dafka? Dafka is someone who's been, who's been um, raised with Bittl. Born and bred on Bittl, educated by Bittl. That's who his teacher is. He's a Talmud, he's a student, he's a recipient from Chachma. Yet we're saying that he cannot survive without, without, without a little bit of, but 164th of Yeshus, 164th of. And the Gemara says that when a person has that little bit of pride, that's Uma'atrele, it serves as a crown, it crowns him. How does it crown him? Like the beard on top of a stalk of grain. When wheat grows, it has like a little beard on the top, a little hair that's... 
And that's part of the chaff. Eventually, when you pick the, the wheat, and the wheat is finished completely ripe and ready to be ground into flour, we actually get rid of the chaff, including that little beard on the top sheet. Kesasa, the, 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 the Gemara calls it Kesasa Shabulta, like that little hairy crown that's on top of the of the on top of a wheat. And the idea is that it needs to be there. That pokey little thing needs to be there. Oh, so hold on. So the we'll see the one sixty fourth in a minute. But the idea is that there has to be a little bit. But why do the Gemara now in order to understand this, why it's needed? Obviously, the Gemara gives a very, very accurate mashal. If the Gemara is using the metaphor of a crown on top of a stalk of, of wheat, it's a sign that it's, there's something about, if you study the wheat, and you, you study the net necessity of that crown, then you understand why it needs to be, it, 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 the Talmud Chacham needs it. So the idea is like this. When wheat grows, it grows with a chaff, it grows with straw, including this little beard on the top. Um, it stays there until the wheat is, is, is ripe. Once it's ripe, you have to separate the, the straw, the, the chaff, and everything that doesn't belong. And, and, uh, and you throw it away, and, and you take the wheat. So which means that this crown, this um, uh, sasa, this, this whatever it is, this, 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 this hairy head <laughs> that's on top of the wheat, helps the wheat grow. But it's only a necessity, you know, but once, you, once the wheat matures, it doesn't need it. So what does it help the wheat grow? It explains why. Because the idea is like this. When, this. when the wheat is growing during its time, the wheat can, chas v'shalem, it's out in the, exposed to the elements. And it needs the elements to grow. What does it need? Sunlight. Problem is, it needs a little bit of sunlight. But the sun, the sun is not just Shining, the sun. The sun is not just shining to one to one to one ear of grain. The sun is shining to. The sun is shining to what? To to the whole world. And part of that shining of the sun to the to the world is that it shines to the wheat. Problem is that it's gonna that it can burn the wheat because the sun is very intense. So what happens to protect the wheat? Hashem creates the chaff. And what does the chaff do? The chaff takes the brunt of the sun's intense heat waves. So the heat wave does not destroy the, the grain. The heat rays, the rays, the intense rays of the sun do not destroy the, the grain. So who takes the brunt of it? It's this chaff. The same is also there is moisture. It rains. The wheat needs water. Problem is that moisture can cause moldiness. Now, if there would be just grain kernels would be growing without this cover, without this chaff. In addition to them, the kernels being burnt, the kernels would also get moldy. In order to prevent the mold from forming on the kernels itself, and in order to prevent the, the kernels from becoming, becoming broiled and, and burnt up in the sun, scorched in the sun. So what does Hashem do? He creates the chaff. The chaff takes a beating for the, for, the, for the thing. And therefore, and the chaff can withstand the heat of the sun and the moldy, and if it gets moldy, it's nishkafer And meanwhile, the inside is protected. 
Once, however, we take it, we, we cut the wheat, and we don't need any more that protector. So what do we do? We throw away the chaff, we totally discard it, and we're left with the kernels. The same is with pride. See, what happens is like this. A person is vulnerable. We, have all, we, we, we come into this world and we're exposed to the elements. What's the elements we're exposed to? We have a lot of heat. The heat is all the tivus of the world. All the distracting temptations. And sometimes the temptations are very, very intense. And they can chas v'shalem, completely destroy the soul. As the temptations can take hold of a person and scorch them and burn them. On the other hand, there's also the, the, the mold. The mold is when a person becomes sad, depressed, um, lazy, not possible, without the ability to move. That, that's all moldiness. It's, it's, from, it's like uh, the, the decaying, the rotting. And that, and that moldiness, and that moldiness, the ear and that, and that moldiness, chas v'shalom, would destroy the person. So what does the Abish tell a person to have in his tchilas ha'avodah, in the beginning of his avodah, to fight the laziness and to fight the temptation, a person has to have a little bit of an ego. What's the ego? The ego is, I should sin. I'm an important person. I want to be an Ayyad Hashem. I want to daven. I want to learn. The Alter Rebbe really says the truth. What do you mean you want? Feh. I want, I need. Who are you? God needs to be served. I'll give, you, I'll, give you, I'll give you a little bit of a um, a little bit of a uh, marshal for this Indian. It's an, it's an interesting marshal. You know, when I came to Chassidus, to Lubavitch, um, I, I, I was very, very, oh, I became, I, I saw the stark difference between Chassidim and non-Chassidim. Chassidim live, the, the core teaching of Chassidus is bittel. And that you're not centered around your own self of what you want to make of yourself. Yiddishkeit, according to Hasidus, is Ebishter centered. God wants to have a dwelling place in this world. We are here to actualize God's, God's will. For me, it was very liberating. Because it's not about me steiging or me becoming or me being this or me becoming that. It's about the Ebishter. It took a lot of, but it also took a lot of the pain off. Like the, the frustrations that come from failures because it stopped being so much my problem, it became God's problem. So on the one hand, it's beautiful. And it's very, very pure and very lishma. Problem is that when you go to yeshiva a lot of times, you have like this. Sometimes you have a, a, a litvish shabach or working harder in yeshiva than you have a chassidah shabach. Why? Because the litvish shabach has got his own metzias that's driving him. It's like his, his Rosh Hashiva is telling him he can steig and he should have she'ifis and he should grow. And that's his motivation to sit in the base of Medrash for 15 hours. The Chabadnik, he's, he's, he's ADD. After 10 minutes, he has no patience to sit anymore because he's learning Torah because God, because to bring the Abishter into the world. So five minutes, he can, he can, he can give the Abishter. You see? So there is, there is a, in a certain sense, so once you move past that and you become, and you real, as a chassid, you really graduate and you grow into those shoes, into that high Lashma state. Then you fly as a chassid in levels way far than you can without it. Because after all, how far can your ego take you? But when you're still at the very beginnings and you, you're not yet in a state where, divi- where divinity and godliness should be so important to you. That, but on the other hand, you're lacking the yashas. You're lacking the doing it because you're going to be a somebody because the chassidists, they say fair to that. Because you knock the yash out. 
and you haven't yet come to the Avas Hashem in a perfect state, then you're left without motivation. And I see a lot of people that there's Dakar Chisarin in that. Well, you have a lot of kids, and, and when you would wonder, a lot of kids would do better in the Litvashi Yeshiva, where they would pump the ego and they would do, ah, very good. So that gives them motivation. So the Alter Rebbe is really saying over here is that ego is necessary a little bit. Now he's not talking over here Garabi ego, coarse ego, like I want to be a Rosh Hashiva, which is a motivation in yeshivas. I remember that. You want to be a Rosh Hashiva, you want to grow up to be a Lamdan. That's so coarse, the Alter Rebbe is not talking about. The Alter Rebbe says that even I want to be connected to the Abishter and I don't want to be separated, that's also ego. Who are you to want? What do you mean I want? There's nothing but the Abishter. Yiddishkeit, the true Yiddishkeit is, God says so, of course. Hashem said Shabbos, is there any other way but Shabbos? The Abishter said Tfilin, is there any other way but Tfilin? Is there any other reality but Tfilin? Is there any other reality but Hashem's mitzvah? That's, if, that's when you're in a, in a state of absolute attachment. But b- before you reach that, so you say, I really want to be connected. And the Rebbe Alter Rebbe takes it even further. He says the ego begins really even, even in his boininess, even in contemplation. Forget about, forget about in the emotions. Emotions for sure. But even in the intellect, even in the mind, when a person is learning and studying, and he comes to the understanding of Mamala Kalalman, of Kalalman, he comes various different... The Alter Rebbe says, what do you think? You understand something of the divine? And, is, and you... I'm going to tell you something. The Alter Rebbe doesn't say it this way, but the God that you can understand is not God. <laughs> Ultimately. So, what he, so the Alter Rebbe says, that too is a yeshus. It's not a, that, that's chitzoniest. And once, once a person really, really, really ex- breaks through the, the, the outer layers of divine manifestation and reaches to experience the Abishter himself, it's amazing that this comes from a Chabad Rebbe. Chabad that built up so much the moichen, the understanding. Most of Chassidus is discussing, discussing Mamala Kalaman and Seyvav Kalaman. What's Mamala Kalaman? Understanding how Hashem manifests Himself in the world. Seyvav Kalaman, understanding how the Ebrister is above and beyond the world. That's all. Chassidus takes you on a tour. Chassidus takes you on a whole. Uh, it, 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 it explains and it expounds. My mother, man, my mother, my mother. And here the Alter Rebbe comes in the mind and he says, What's that? It's all chitzainius. Mamalach. Here, let me read you the words. He says, Kach kol hatamim. All the reasons, sheyesh loy bahasagas, that you have in hasaga, the hisboininus and in contemplation. Kol yemeya avoida. All the explanation. You love the Ebershter because you perceive this, you learned this, and you understand this. Here you are having excitement because of this. Ba'ava v'yira, betchilasay eina melakitafel. This is all secondary. Ba'alma, lagaba iker. Why? When someone reaches the point where he really experiences the Orein Soif, all the reasons, what is all the motivation you get by studying and analyzing Godless the Ebishter, it's all nothing to the Ebishter. And therefore, not to get, nothing to get excited about. And even before that, he says, um, this is the middle of Siv Dalit. I'm just showing you. Look, look in the middle of the first paragraph, like five lines. He says, "Gam b'mashem is boinein." The middle of Siv Dalit. "Gam b'mashem is boinein." Also, in this that a person contemplates, ba'asagas alakus, in godly understanding, bepchenas memala v'sayvev, in the memala kalaman and the sayvev, umachmazem spoil. And this gets you excited ba'avav a in love and fear. 
גם זה נחשב בחינס יש ודבר. That too is yeshes. It's, it, 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 it's in a sense, uh, why? כי יש מי שמעסיק. You understand. ונידם אלוהי, and the person thinks, ההשגה, that this that he understood, לאיזה דבר מה. That's episode something. ובאמס לייס מחשבה והשגה תפיסה בי, בעצמס אלוקוס. In truth, there is no thought that grasps. So the Alter Rebbe is going through various different levels. We're, 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 this is, this is ego, very subtle levels of ego. It's ego, it's yashes, but it's necessary. Because if you don't have it, and you just want to operate on, with pure altruistic love to God, it's, you're going to be like the kernels exposed to the intense heat of the sun, and to the intense, and to the moisture, and the wetness of the laziness, depression, and other things that try to get a person down, and you're not going to have the endurance to fight it. So what you do is, you add a little bit of yeshes in your avodah. Like there was a chassid who lived in, I mentioned it last week, who lived in Moscow. He was the chassid that the Alter Rebbe was released to after the Alter Rebbe came out of jail. He was released to this chassid's house. And he lived in Moscow. And in Moscow, not in Moscow, he lived in Petersburg, I'm sorry. And in Petersburg, um, it was a big city. Chassidim lived in little villages where they were like kind of, you know, Balshemtov style. They were removed from the world. They didn't see all the taivas, all the gishmak, all the, all, the, all the temptations. This chassid was living in a city of temptation. So, he, and he had the tests. I mentioned last week that he, the tests from Petersburg compared to what we live in today, the chazerai that we get to see. In any case, what was his way? How did he overcome his, his, his Yetzirah? He would say to himself, Me, a chassid of the Altareb? Am I gonna, I'm, I'm gonna do another. I'm a chassid of the Altareb? I'm a chassid. Pasnished. Doesn't fit. In other words, this idea that a person says, It's pasnished famir. Who are you? So that means that you're looking at yourself as a somebody. You have a certain class. You have a certain something to you. I'm a rabbi. I'm a this. I'm a that. It's pasnished. That's an ego. But it's necessary. Because without that, you couldn't fight the, the, the Indian. But once, it's, you're not supposed to stay with that. Once you already come in and you're deeply involved in Avodah, just like the wheat, once the wheat is already ripe, it drops the, its, its external encasing, including the beard that's on top of the grain, and you get just the, the wheat. So too, there's a certain point where it has to drop these chitzainiyistic things, and really start serving the Eibishter with pure, deep um, um, truth, without, without, with, with, with utter selflessness. Now, what? Al Tadeba says this. Yeah, that's what he says. Read, read, read. Yeah, he says it over here. You have to add a little. You have to. Shakomi Shamaschal, look over here on two, page 238. On page 238, Siv Gimel. Five lines. Five lines. Anybody that begins. Anybody that begins. Anybody he needs to have a little bit of gasus. Gasus is good upgrade. Okay. 
So okay, so say it's not adding, but it's you need to have a little bit of that. He says, you know who didn't have that? Avram Avinu didn't have that. Entire his entire life was totally altruistic. But he says, if you have, if you're totally altruistic, even in your beginning of your avodah, you can end up giving, creating Yishma. In other words, you use the the klipa, this this little bit of klipa of of, of self pride, which protects you from giving yanika sachitzayim. Well, now, but that, that's we discussed it last week. I'm just trying to get to the where we're, where we're holding now. Now, now, yeah, we're holding in the middle. This is part two. So now, but now, then, okay. This is the idea. But the question is, why did God make it that? Hashem was the one who created the tithes. And Hashem was the one who created us in a way that the only way to serve Him in the beginning of our Avedah is to serve Him by with something that is essentially uh, disgusting in the Abishter's eyes. In other words, why would Hashem ask of us to add a little chametz in our Avedah, to add a little bit of that yashus in our Avedah, and Hashem makes it that that's necessary? So you have to say, he's gonna, as the Altareb explains it, that that too actually accomplishes something above. In other words, it's not just a necessary evil that you need to use because without it you can't fight the Yetzirah. You need to use a little... Since the Yetzirah is a, is a big clip, it's, it's similar to what the Altareb says in Tanya, that sometimes the Tzemach Tzedek actually brings this idea that you, sometimes when you, have, when you have a lot of clip in your heart, and your heart is very clogged, you have to lose, use sadness to break out of the klipa. Use sadness and bitterness. And the Alter Rebbe asked the question, but sadness is from the klipa. Why would you use klipa? And the answer is, Sometimes to beat the klipa, you have to take, you have to, you have to, you have to, you have to in order to chop out, or in order to fell trees, to, 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 to chop a tree, you have to make an axe, and the axe is made from the wood of that very tree, from a tree that you're, in other words, you're using wood, to knock down a tree. You're using klipa to, to knock down klipa. You're using sadness, which is an inion of klipa, or bitterness, and you're using that to get rid of it. So we would say the same thing over here. You're using ego in order to destroy a bigger ego. There's a big fat ego that's coming your way, which wants to ignore God completely. A big fat ego says, I don't care what Hashem says. I want to do an Avera. This is going to be gishmak to me. This is going to be exciting to me. This is going to be, make me feel good. And I don't want to hear what Hashem asks us. So what you're doing is, you can't, with total, with with total bittal of your neshama, you're not, you might not be able to fight it because the neshama is too idle, the neshama is too sweet, and he can't get up to fight this big bully. So you have to get yourself a little bully to fight the big bully. What's the little bully? You say, ah, what do you mean? I'm a chassid, I'm a yid, how can, I'm not going to do that avera, that's below my dignity, it's below who I am. So that's how you fight it. But, oh, so it's because you don't have another choice. But here the Alter Rebbe reveals something very, very powerful. And he says, no, no. Through having that gaiva and saying, that too is a necessary ingredient in your avodah Hashem, because it has a powerful effect by Hashem as well. To give the Abishter a little bit of gaiva. The Abishter naturally is very, very humble. Like we say... Um, in the place where you find God's greatness, in the very same place where you find Hashem's greatness, you also find Hashem's humility. So Hashem is humble. Because of Hashem's extreme humility, and that means no one is too low, and, he, he, and, and, and two things, His extreme humility and His extreme kindness. 
So he's a very humble and very kind. If he's very kind and humble, then he wants to give to everybody. And everybody is deserving in his eyes. And even when you have a klipa shvela, even when you have somebody very, very low and very, very dark, God, because of his intense kindness, will give to everyone. Not only that, he adds, there's another point to it. Even when you have something evil, the evil is considered insignificant in Hashem's eyes. Because after all, to an infinite God, like he brings the mashal, we spoke about it last week, of a little spider. A little spider is something very annoying. And everybody chases a spider. But in a big, huge palace of a king, no one notices the spider. The spider can get away in a palace of a king where he couldn't get away in a regular home. Like this, they'll chase it out. But in the king's palace, a spider will go and make himself comfortable. Why? Because no one notices it. So for the same... But meanwhile, the spider is, 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 is benefiting from the shelter. The, fi- the spider is even benefiting from the food because it steals a little crumbs here and there. The, fi- the spider is even benefiting from the, from the heat and from the... Co- from, it's not freezing to death in the, in the, in, in, because of the heat in the palace and the warmth of the palace. It's not getting burnt up by the sun because it's, it's, it's the air conditioning is helping the spider. The spider is being benefiting from all the benefits of the palace. Why? Because no one pays attention to it. But the spider is getting. So that would mean a muscle that Klippa could be supported by Hashem. How do you get the Abishter to stop supporting Klippa? That Hashem should not give his highest to Klippa. You have to cause Hashem to have that little bit of gaiva. Where Hashem says, I am God. How can there be somebody in my kingdom who's not listening to me? How can I tolerate a chutzpah who doesn't listen to me? But, see, without that gaiva, Hashem is, he's, 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 he's infinitely tolerant. Toler- he has infinite tolerance. He can tolerate everybody. So what? So the guy doesn't listen. So the guy is, uh, he's, he disobeys my commandments. All right, so what? Is there for what? But when the Abishter is evoked to a sense of self-importance, I'm king, and there should not be anybody who's disobeying my commandment, that causes the Abishter's wrath against the Klippa, and primarily it causes that Hashem should remove his hashpa that he gives to the Klippa. But in order to cause Hashem to go in to that pride mode, in order for it to cause Hashem, Hashem geos lavesh, that Hashem should garb himself in geos, in gaiva, that Hashem should feel that, that I am God and I am his own importance, so to speak, that anybody who disobeys in order to cause that by the Abishter, everything above is caused by us below. So if we are totally egoless, like Avram Avinu, and we're serving Hashem just with absolute total bittle, then Lamaila, there's also only bittle. And if there's only bittle Lamaila, then Chas v'shalem, the flow can also go to the wrong direction. There has to be a little bit. The Abishta has to have a little bit of somebody to say of self-respect in the sense that he says, no, someone who disobeys me, someone who, dis- who disrespects me should not be living in my house, should be thrown out. So how did the Abishta have that? When the Yid down here evokes his own gaiva, when the Yid down here says, Espasnished, it's not befitting for me as a chassid, it's not befitting for me as a scholar, it's not befitting for me as a Yid to act in this way, to, to lower myself off in such a time, huh? that causes Lamaila also a, a, a raising up. And that's the reason why, but that's also necessary only, but that Gaiva Lamaila is also, he has an amazing thing, that, that pride above is also only called like a chaff, 
Because that also is chitzainius. It's not a real, Hashem Moloch Geis Lavesh. It's a lovush, it's a garment. Hashem too is going to disregard that when once Mashiach comes and there's no klipa anymore. It's not needed anymore. So then the Abishter will be, will be able to remove that 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 roimamus in that sense, that pride, just like down here, it's a it's an it's an it's a necessary inyan that is necessary betchila in the beginning of a person's development. So to lamaila in the beginning of the of of whatever it's necessary, but there comes a point when that's not needed. He's going to explain that that's the whole idea of the sus I mentioned earlier. A horse. Yes, what was your question? Yeah, so what are you using that as a muscle? Oh yeah, yeah. The bittle down here causes bit yeah. And over here, the 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 the, the gaiva down here, in this sense, in Avoidas Hashem, the Shmini Shabishminis of Gaiva in Avoidas Hashem is cause now, by the way, you asked before why an eighth of an eighth, why that number? You see, because the word an eighth of an eighth is a sixty-fourth. A 64th is one number higher. In this case, since we're dealing with percentages, it's one number less than 63rd. Now, 63rd is the letter gas. Gas means grub. So the Alter Rebbe is saying like this, you need to have a little bit less than it should be called gas, real grubkeit. In other words, real ego, real coarseness, fat. We're dealing with a little less than that. It's just a taste of it. That's the point. It should be less than gas. It shouldn't be real. Gases, gases, it says, komi sheyesh by gases. Anybody that has gases, arrogance, the shechina can't live in it. Ebesh does not where there is gas. Oh, so you have to have one thing less than gas. So it's just a taste of it. A little touch of that. Which that gives the person that, that Indian is shayach to a horse. As I mentioned earlier, bechlal a horse and Betzal Fleischman was once explaining this to me because he was once dealing with racing horses. And he was explaining to me how a horse has a real powerful sense of importance. And the, the, the plot, it, it's very meaningful to a horse. In any case, the word sus is two times the word gas. Sus is 126. So it contains within it gas, gas, two times... Two times sixty-three, and gas, gas of the horse. Oh, so what does that mean? See, this we're holding right now. At this point, what is a what? What is the vizehu? Is holding sevav? This is where I want to start now, right now. Vizehu. Yeah, yeah, but I, I don't want to go off. I'll tell you why. No, because the people on the recording are listening to this. They don't hear the question and answer really that much. I'll get it later. Vizehu, and this is the meaning. In a half an hour. And this is the meaning of kisir kaval susecha. When you're riding, when you're riding on your horses, markevaysecha Yeshua, your your chariots of salvation. Susecha the horses, hembeis pamim sus. First of all, it's like this: when it says when you ride on your horses, that Hashem also rides on a horse. It means when Hashem, when Hashem goes into this pride mode. Hashem is going into the horse. Hashem is experiencing what's called the gas. Gas meaning, now we know, by the way, it's interesting. We know that there is a name of God that's called Shem Samach Gimel, Shem Sag. 
So the name Samach Gimel of Hashem is related to God's conduct when God is conducting himself in a, in a prideful way, in a manner of pride. Where Hashem rises up in his own importance, then it, that, that's the manifestation of the name Samach Gimel. Okay? Now, it says the Ebershter rides on a horse. What's a horse? A horse is two times Samach Gimel. We'll see why two times Samach Gimel in a moment. But in addition to that, there's not only one horse, there's two horses. So it's really four times Samach Gimel. Because it says Kisirkav, when you're riding, al Susecha. It doesn't say Kisirkav al Sus. Susecha. It doesn't say Suscha. Suscha is one horse. Susecha with a Yud is minimum two. So Hashem's chariot has two beautiful white stallion horses. These are the two horses that are pulling God's chariot, so to speak. So why two horses? So two things to notice. First of all, there are two horses. Number two to notice that in each horse, there's two times the word gas. Tahainu, base pamim samach gimel, two times samach gimel in each one. Not there's two horses, two times samach gimel. There's two times samach gimel in each one. Why? Kishem Sag de Kedusha. Because the name of Sag, which is the opposite of the word Gas, the name of Samach Gimel de Kedusha, Yeduat is known, Shehu Havaya Bemilui Alfin. We know when you take the Shem Havaya, when you take the Yudke Vavke, how do you get the various different names of Hashem? Remember, we spoke Yudke Vavke is Gematria 26. Fine. But when you fill the Yud Kevavke with filling letters, with the Miloi, sometimes you have the various different names, the name 72. The name 72 is when you fill the Yud Kevavke only with Yudin, four Yudin. What does that mean? The Yud, ke, the yud has a Yud, Yud Vav Dalit. The Hey has Hey Yud. The Vav also has a, vav, a Yud. Vav Yud Vav Viv. And then the latter Hey also has a Yud, hey Yud. So when you count, Yud Vav Dalid, which spells the word Yud, equals 20. And then you have two times hey, hey Yud, hey Yud, each one 15, 15 and 15 is 30. It's 50. And then you have the word Viv, which is two Vavim and one Yud, is 22. So how much is 50 and 22? 72. So the name 72. How about the name set? How about the names? 63, which Tarizal says is another manifestation. Over here, it's the reason why I just explained the name 72, even though he's not talking about it, because the name 63 is similar to the name 72 with one little switch. Everything stays the same. Yud, Vav, Dalid, good. Hey, Yud, Hey, Yud. The two Hey's are filled with Yud's. But the Vav is not filled with a, with a, it's not filled with a Yud, it's filled with an Aleph. Vav, Aleph, Vav. So then what you're really doing is you're making 72 minus 9. Because you turned the Yud into an Aleph. So you eliminated 9. 72 minus 9 is how much? 63. So 63 is the shame Yud Kei Vav Bemilui Alfin. And when he says, usually when you say Bemilui Alfin, you mean that the Hayes are also filled with Alephs. That's the name 45. That's shame Ma. But over here we're talking about that only the, the, the Vav is filled with an Aleph. Fine. You get 63. What is the significance of that? The Vav, I think, he doesn't say this particular mamish, but he said, the Vav and the Midas, the emotions. So let's say the Ebersh is Chesed. So there's two types of Chesed. There's God's Chesed when it is humble. God, and when Hashem's Chesed is humble, then what? It flows to everybody. It goes all over the place because it's humble. But when Hashem is proud of his Chesed, when there's pride in the Midas, 
Then what? He wants to give only to his friends. Only to those who obey. That's what the Aleph is. Aleph, first of all, means chief. Aleph means a chief, aluf. But Aleph, Aleph also means orein soif. Aleph represents things rising to the infinite. Because when the Abishter is in a state of rising into himself, rising into the infinite, that causes him to be in a state of roimamus. And when Hashem is in a state of roimamus, he's not giving to everybody. It's not a free lunch. It's not a party to everybody. He gives to who deserves or he wants to give to. It's not a... Uh, and that's why, that's Samach Gimel. So Samach Gimel Amayla causes an aliyah, an elevation. It causes a pride. And it takes away the hashpa from the klipa. Vahainu, kasher avav deshem avaya, as it explains now. When the vav of the shem avaya, who bimilui alef, is in the milui of alef, vaharemez bezeh, what's the remez? Who inyan lepchenas roimemus, this is in, indicative of a roimemus, of an exaltedness. There is a roimamus in the vav. The vav is the hamshacha. Ah, that's, I didn't realize it before. The vav is his hamshacha, where he's bringing. But when he's giving, he, he, has, he has a discrimination to his hamshacha. Because he's in a state of roimamus, of exaltedness, he's not giving, he's not, having, he's not allowing everybody to his table. He's selective who can come to the party. Like this, if he's humble, he allows the, opens the door for everybody to come. But like this, he's... Yeah. What? Could be. You, you're the small. Like, okay. That the oil should not be, should not flow to a person who's not, who's not right. That's because of this gaiva, as we said earlier, this, this holy gaiva that's necessary. This is the name Samach Gimel, which is, but is, again, it's the same word as Gas, because Gas means self-awareness. Here too, there's a certain self-awareness in the Ebishter, in which he's, It's the word Gas, but the words are in the other. Samach Gimel is the same word. as. That's the first horse. And we said before there are two horses. What are the two horses? So this horse is the first horse. And this horse is Momatalamayla. Momatalamayla means, what is a horse? A horse is a vehicle. That it's, a, it's a riding vehicle. It's a, you travel with it. The, the Abishter's oyer travels inward. It, Hashem, his light goes into himself, into a state of exaltedness. It means Momatalamayla. From below, he raises himself up away from the clip. Okay? What's hisnasus? When you're feeling exalted, you're in a state of elevation. So you're in a state of withdrawal. As it is from below, upward. As it is Okay, so this is one horse. It's going up. But we said that the words, even that one horse has two times Samach Gimel. Because Sus is 126, which is two times 63. So how does that work? What causes the oil to go up? Above, what causes Hashem's elevation up there? This is Oirus of above, that Hashem is misorer to go up. It's triggered by, the, by a person down here saying as Pasnasht. When a person down here evokes ego to the service of Hashem, that means that you are lifting yourself up in self importance. That's your gas, 
adding a little bit of gas, a little bit of samach yimel energy in your own avoda, self-importance, in your avoda, that causes lamayla shem samach yimel. That's why there's two samach yimels in the word sus, because the sus includes both. The effect that it has above... The experience, the the the, the, the uh, what is taking place in the abishter and the cause and the trigger that's causing it, okay. But that's all one horse. It's the two gas in that horse. When the talmud chacham has an eighth of an eighth of that guy, when he is raising himself, as we said before. Now the second horse, he's going to explain soon what that second horse is. This is all one horse that has two stomachs. And then it says, when you're riding on your horses, what happens? Your chariots of salvation. That means that when Hashem is riding on his horses, that will bring salvation. What does salvation mean? Salvation usually means when we're in trouble first, and then you get salvation. Anna Hashem, we cried out today, save me. Save me means you're in trouble. Why are we in trouble first? Who, where does the trouble come from? The trouble comes from, because you know, there's a Haman, for instance. There's a Russia. There's some, there's some evil. There's some force of unholiness that is, that is, that is, that is uh, causing negative decrees or negative, uh, that, that's causing uh, pain to Kedusha, that's attacking Kedusha, whatever, in any way. So, what, but how do they have power? How does the anti, how does, uh, how does Hamas, how does uh, Hezbollah, how does, how does all these anti-Semites, where do they get their power from? They're getting it from Kedusha. Hashem is sustaining. But when Hashem is riding on his horse, what does that do? Kisir kaval susecha, when Hashem is riding on his horse, which means when Hashem feels self-pride, what happens? Then he, then he doesn't want to give to those that are, that are, that are, that are sinful. That, that, that doesn't want to give to the clip. So what brings the Yeshua, Mark of Yeshua, when Hashem is riding on the horse? Kisirka Valsusecha, then Mark of Yeshua, then comes a Yeshua, comes salvation. Shah Yeshua, there is a Yeshua, Miyuchedes Leknesses Yisrael. There's a special Yeshua, salvation coming to the Jewish people. And the Rishayim don't receive in the other. It's interesting, in the other version of the Mimer, it says, It mentions Dafke Yishmael. Why? Because earlier he explains that from Avram Avinu, whose chesed is flows humbly without that gaiva, where does it go? It goes to Yishmael too. But the Yishmaelim shouldn't go, it should only go to Kedush. Metamanal, as we said earlier, Vadailam Evta. Vizau, when this is the meaning of Susviroichvoi Rama Bayam. It says the horse and the rider, Rama Bayam, he threw into the sea. And it mentions over here sus again, horse. Because what does the horse cause? It causes Rama. Now he says the word Rama has two meanings to it. Either Rama Bayam, it went, it rose up in the sea. Paro's horses rose in the sea because when they went, when they went into the Yamsuf, it became like a, like a, uh, what is it, like a whirlpool from up down. So everybody was like on a Ferris wheel. They were going up and they were going down like a wheel, like a spinning wheel. So Rama means they were went all the way up. Malash and Roim, but Rashi says Rama also means he threw it. Malash and Hashlacha throwing. So 
And whenever you have one word that means two things, the two things are connected. So how does that work? Well, he says it's very simple. When God goes into a state of Raimimus, what happens to the klipa? They come crashing down. He throws them down. Like this, they rise up to get energy. They rise up with chutzpah, with gaiva, to steal life, to nibble, to steal, whatever. But now when the Eberster goes into a state of self-pride, so he throws them down. How dear these rebels, you know, uh, come to my party. One is the idea of exaltedness. And the other one is an Indian of throwing, casting. It's all one Indian. Since as a result of the sus of the horse, he is elevated. Like it says, that he's... Rashi teaches he is he prides himself over those that are over the balagaiva over the over the haughty ones. Gaya al gavisana who's the who's the haughty ones? Klipa the haughty ones and the Abishter is gaya on them, but a different pirush. I'll give you another pirush now. Gai gam means because the yid adds a little gaiva in his avodah. In other words, we add a little gaiva, not a negative gaiva. We need a little bit. A little bit of self-importance, a little bit of his pasnisht for us in our own avayna. That causes goi god. The abishter has gaiva. Meaning he rises. And that causes him to throw the klipa down. Like it says, He brought that pasuk early in the Mimer. Rama yotcha, you raise your hand. They shouldn't see. What does that mean? Canal. That means that when you raise your hand, Bal Yachzoyin, the Klippa can't see you, meaning they're removed from you. And they're cast into the sea. Kol Markavoy's Paroi, all the chariots of Paroi, Vecheloi, and his army. And it's often the same reason as we said before, Kanal. Because there is Roimimus, Yavai Lechlal Hakpada, that which causes him to be Makpid. That brings it to be akpada. Akpada means akpada means when you have a, I don't know what you say. Well, how would you translate akpada? Usually it means like a grudge, but that's if you have an akpada. But over here, akpada means your makpid means it. It it uh, you're dis- discerning. You're dis- you're like shaloyi yanika v'chayas. There shouldn't be a yanika. There shouldn't be a chayas. Lamisha ain't a ra'u to the ones that are not fitting. Ve'ain ma'ahechrech. Ah, it's, I, it was earlier explained that on this level it's not it's not hechrach, meaning I think that's where meaning earlier you say that on dafka on these very high levels klipa can receive from because over there light and darkness is the same, but when within that oyer in that very high place there is a, there is an aliyah a state of roimamos shem samach gimel. Then, then he's mocked. Like he says, the king can leave the spider in his palace. But when the king gets into a mood of I'm cleaning up the house, then he takes get rid of the spider. Even though to the king the spider means is meaningless, once he is in the mood of getting rid of it, he, he decides to get rid of it. Yeah, he'll send it out. He'll, get, he'll tell the people to clean up the whole place. And this is what Haman said. Now we'll understand, let's get a little preview from the end of the Mimer, just to say. I asked before in the Mimer why, when Haman said, let them bring the, the Lavush, 
and the garment and let them bring the horse. Right after that, Haman has his, his big mapala. And the king tells him, take the sus, and put it to Mordechai. Because it's at that, at that moment that Haman evoked the sus, he didn't even realize what he did. When Haman evoked the susim above, he evoked Shem Samach Gimel, he evoked God to have that sense of pride. That, what do you mean? I'm the Abishter. And how dare I let this low-life clipper like Haman like, uh, roam the planet? Add up. So he, but he caused that. Or else the Abishter is infinitely kind. And he's tolerant of everybody. But Haman, by Haman saying, bring the horse... He's Mo'ayr, the Indian of horse, which is Shem Samach Gimel, which is this Indian of Raimamus. Translated that into Kedusha, when Yidin have, take, take an Indian, Haman Bechlal, if you want to know what, what's Haman's clip, Al-Tareb is going to say in the end of the Maimah, Gavaldic Indian. Haman Bechlal, his entire being is, Lami Yachpait Samelech, he's full of himself. That's why he can't stand that one person is not bowing to him. He's, he's, he's a gechke, he's a god, he's, a, he's the essence of Yeshus, of Klippi. Yet we say, Hama menatera minai. Hama menatera minaitz. So, Apostles, you'll learn, the Gemara asked the question, where is Haman mentioned in the Torah? Well, it says, Amina eats from the tree. Now, the connection is very simple, on the simple level, because what's the connection of Haman with Hamina eats that you eat from the tree? What happened to Adam and Chava the moment they ate from the tree of knowledge? They became self-aware. They suddenly realized that they're unclothed and that this, and they got uncomfortable. They started thinking about, about themselves. And so the yeshus, so Haman, who is the source, his entire being is just one big yesh. He comes from the eights, eights are das. Fine. But over here, the Alter Rebbe learns a much deeper pirish. Haman in Atayra means, is there a Haman in Kedusha? In other words, is there Haman in Atayra, in Taira, in Kedusha, is there a Haman? So you remember, yeah? So he says, a Talmud Chacham needs to have a Shminis Sheba Shminis. That's Haman ben Atayr. Haman does have a place in, a, in the Torah, which means a person ought to bring in a little bit, at least in the beginning of your Avodah, you need to have a little bit of, self, of, 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 of that pride in, in, and, and, and sense of importance, that your Avodah is important, and I want to be connected, and that gives you ambition, and that gives you goals, and the like. You want to feel accomplished. And want, I, it's all yeshes. And you need that yeshes to bring you into, into that avayt. Haman also wanted the horse that the king was riding on. So what does this mean? Now it's interesting over here. Over here suddenly in the mimer, before even continuing this thought, that, that the inyan of the sus is causing by the abishter an inyan of roimamos, which is as we said before, that's one horse. But on the Pasuk it says, Kisir Kav Al Susecha. So before the Alter Rebbe even concludes the, the, the first horse, he suddenly like eases his way into the second horse to explain the second horse. And it, it's like when you're reading it, you can get a little confused and, and because he's not giving you a warning. Because now the Indian that he's going to explain now is the second horse. Not a horse that, see, a horse travels. And, and it says in other my modern that where does a horse travel? If you're just going down the block, you don't really need a horse. You're going on a horse when you're going on a further journey. But on the further journey itself, it's when you're going into more difficult terrain. When you're going up, when you're going up on a mountain, you want a horse to help you climb. You're going down in a valley, down into a canyon, you want a horse to help you down. 
So the horses go up and the horses go down. The horse that we're talking about till now is the horse that's rising upward. It's causing hisnasus, exaltedness. But now there is another Indian. First of all, let's see, what does it mean the king was riding? When it mentions king in Megillah Esther, this is indicative of the king of all kings, which is the Ebishtim. That's why it doesn't say which king. Most of the time it doesn't say Amelech HaChashverosh, it just says Amelech. Melech Kloli. We're talking about the Abishter himself, the general Melech. What he's saying over here is when we say Amelech in the Megillah, it's referring to Melech Malchem Amelech. He's not just saying it's referring to God. He's talking about that within the divine itself, it's not, we're not talking about a particular Darga of Malchus. Malchus of Atzilus, for instance. You know, the, the Malchus of the Abishter has many levels. The Malchus of one particular word, world. We're talking about Melech Malchayam Lachem Hakadosh Baruch. We're talking about Malchus of Ein Sof. That's the Melech over all worlds of Gam Tzeder Shtalshos. This is the Melech that we're talking about in the Megillah. Kamashakasav, like it says, Malchus Chum Malchus Kol Elamim. Your Mal Malchus Cha. This is Malchus of, of, of the Abishter himself. The Malchus of the Ein Sof is the Malchus of all worlds. What does it mean that this king has a horse? The Inyan Sha Melech Azeh Roichev Alasus. The idea that this Melech rides on a horse is here you'll see that he's not talking about that first horse. He's talking about a different Indian in the horse. It's not to take him more into himself in a state of pride, but quite on the contrary, it's, in the, it's here to bring him down, to help him express himself, to help him come out of it. This is the idea that it says, It says that Hashem rides, Chazal say, what does God do at night? It gives <laughs> the Gemara is gavaldic. The Gemara in a certain place gives you God's schedule. What's, what's, what's Hashem's schedule for the day? So it goes through the various hours. The first three hours he does this. And what does he do at night? The Gemara says, Ooh, at night he's riding on his on his chariot. And he soars through eighteen thousand worlds. The Abishta imagine says such, such a good visual. The Abishta is riding. What is he riding? He's riding on a kruvkal, on a light cherub. There is this light cherub that Hashem is, goes on top of it, so to speak, on this light cherub. And he's soaring. And where is he soaring through? Shh. He's into outer space. He's soaring through worlds, 18,000 worlds. It says, the chariot of God is Rebaisayim. Rebaisayim means two times 10,000. Because Reba is 10,000. Rebaisayim is two times 10,000. But then it says, Alfei Shinon. Alfei Shinon means thousands. What the simple word of the word Shinon means, I don't know, but the Gemara Darshan's it, that the word Shinon, you should read it, don't read it, Shinon, read it, She'enon. So if you read it, Alfei She'enon means minus 2,000. Rebaisayim, 20,000. Alfei she'enon, 2,000 that are not there. So if it's 2,000 that are not there, what do you end up with? 18,000. So it's in those 18,000 worlds, that's where Rechev Kim, the Abishter, is riding through the 18,000 worlds. 
And we once learned a Birin Chasidus on a Thursday night, I don't remember when, but we once learned why it expresses it in this way of twenty of first 20,000 and then minus 2,000, Alfei She'enon, what that means, but it's nothing. Pirish HaKadosh Baruch So first of all, explains what does it mean HaKadosh Baruch HaKadosh Baruch he wants to explain that HaKadosh Baruch is synonymous with the idea that he just explained, the Malchus of Ein Sof. On the one hand, because Malchus of Ein Sof is, on the one hand, it's Malchus of Ein Sof. Ein Sof is what? Ein Sof. It's higher than the world. It's Ein Sof. But on the other hand, Malchus means what? The Indian of Malchus is Shechina. It's the Shochim. So that's the same idea in the word HaKadosh Baruch. Kadosh means what? Removed, above. Baruch means Bracha, Allah Shalom HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the idea that the hidden inner Kadosh element should come down to be Baruch. In other words, something that is Behelem should come Lidei Giloy. Now, it means a God who is concealed should reveal himself. Just like a king. The king is very hidden. How do you get to see the king? The king goes riding on his horse. The horse brings him out to the people. He goes on a parade, he's riding on a horse. The horse takes the king from the hidden place to the reveal. From the concealed to the revealed, bringing Hashem down from world to world. And Baruch, two opposite in Yanim. It means taking the Kadosh, which is Me'almadiz Kasya, from the concealed world, which is Kadosh, La'almadiz Galia, to the revealed world. Since we're dealing with somebody who is Kadosh and separated and moved out, and which means Helem, which means concealed, and he's coming into a revealed state. That's why we're giving the example of like a rider. A person comes riding into town. Before that, no one knew where he was. He's hidden. Here he is. He emerges. He comes. It's the riding on a horse. Shal yedei rechiva zu through this rechiva hoylech hamelech the king goes who misgale bachutz and he reveals himself out lechol ayin roya for the every eye to see him. So lechayra this Indian in source is opposite of what we spoke about a horse. The horse that we spoke about earlier is a horse that causes the king to be oyle umisale baatzmusay. He's rising into himself. The horse is pride. It's nasus. He's here we're talking about a horse that's what? That's causing giloy. It's causing him to lower himself down, to descend, to emerge, to reveal himself, to come closer to the people. So how can it both be horse? So we said two horses. Yeah, but the horse is still horse. So the Tzemach Tzedek adds, it doesn't say it over here, but the Tzemach Tzedek has a little, a little parenthesis here. In Ora Torah, you have this mime with Haggadah of the Tzemach Tzedek. Bechlal, it's interesting. Lakuti Torah was printed, we're starting now Lakuti Torah. Now the Parshas Pekudi is the first Parsha that's Lakuti Torah. The difference between Torah Oyer and Lakuti Torah is two differences. Number one, Bechlal Torah Oyer is a little more cryptic than Lakuti Torah. The Lashon is more be, more barichus, number one. Number two, in Lakuti Torah you have the Agos of the Tzemach Tzedek. Inserted. In, in Torah Oyer it's pure Alter Rebbe without Agos. Very few places there is Agos of the Tzemach Tzedek. But mostly it's the Alter Rebbe's pure Lashon without any Agos of the Tzemach Tzedek. But for all the memorim in Torah or that don't have agos of the Tzemach Tzedek, they do have agos. That's if you learn in Oira Torah, usually come out every mimer. There's another version in Oira Torah with the Tzemach Tzedek's parentheses, his agos, which kind of would have been, if the Torah or would have been made in the manner of the Kuti Torah, would have had those agos. In any case, 
um, the Tzemach Tzedek over there adds a short little line. He says that the second horse too, when the king emerges, is also he's emerging with pride. There's also an esnasus. He's taken a state of Yerida, he's going down, but in a manner where he holds himself in a very respectful state. He's riding on a horse, he's above everybody else. Which means that even though he's coming down to be mashpia, but where is he being mashpia to? Where is he being mizgale? Only to a makoim harao. He's not going to go down to a garbage dump. He's not going to go down into the slums of town. He's going to go only to a respectful place. He's only going to go because he's choosing to the places where he wants to go. He's selective. Why? Because, even, because he's riding on a horse. The horse is the Indian of Isnasus, even in a state of Yerida. Okay. Hashem is riding on a light cloud. It's the same idea like a horse. What does it mean, Kruvkal? Here the Rebbe gives, the Alter Rebbe gives a little explanation on the Kruvkal. What does Kruvkal mean? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is what? The levels higher than Malchus, higher than Shekhinah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the more transcendental element. Now, but Hashem, for Him to be Mizgale in the world, how is He Mizgale in the world? Through the Shekhinah. He encloses Himself in the Shekhinah, and through the Shekhinah, He comes into the world. Simple words, let's translate into simple. HaKadosh Baruch Hu represents the Midas of the Yebishter. Chesed Gevur. Every, in a human being, your midas, how do your midas reveal your, how do you reveal your midas, how do you reveal your mood to someone? Your midas, your emotions. Through words. You speak words of love, you're communicating chesed. You speak words of, of uh, harsh words, you're communicating gevura. So words, oisiyas. So the Eberster uses malchus to be mezgala. That's what it means. He's reichev al kruv kal, kruv kal is malchus. Why he adds that, I don't know. Maybe that's why it's called Kruv. I don't know why Kruv has to do with Halas Man. I'm not sure. Uh, this, these, these three words. Why he has to explain that it's Maila Man Menashamas. In any case, the Nikra Kruv Kal, it's called the Kruv Kal, who And Malchus is like a horse to the rider, which means it's bottled to him, and it brings his light down into the world. So like it says, you come riding on your horses. Um, yeah, remember, see, here's where the Alter Rebbe gives us the information that he's already talking about the second horse. is the second horse. It's not the first horse that we said earlier, which is a horse that takes him up, higher, withdraws, it's the Yerida, because a horse has the power, like we said earlier, to climb a mountain and to go down in a canyon. This is the horse that's going down, not the horse that's going up. In the horse, there's two in Yanim. One is to go up. The other one is to descend. And by the way, that's why the horse has two times Samach Gimel. He's showing how the two tenuous of the horse are also hinted to in the two times Samach Gimel that is in each horse. Even though we said before that each horse itself, the one that goes up and the one that goes down, has its own double Samach Gimel. Yet he's showing how the Samach Gimel in the horse, the twice Samach Gimel, one is for the 
element that the horse can go up, and the other one is for the element that the horse can go down. It goes down. No, I'm sorry. One of them is rising upward. Then he descends. And in this mimer, he doesn't mean in this mimer that we're learning. He means in this mimer chazal, where chazal say that what? That what does the Abish to do at night? He's roichev al kruv kal. He's he's riding on a light kruv. Vishat bechai alpha omen, and he's soaring through eighteen thousand worlds. This mimer chazal contains both horses. Bebeis madregos echod beinyanah yirida vahagilui. One is the Yerida. That's the idea of Roichev al Karuv Kal. He's riding down. Malchus is taking the Shekhinah down into the world. By the way, in a few minutes, we'll take a little break soon. But after that, he's going to explain a fascinating idea of how the Shekh, of, of this idea that the Abishta is riding on the horses, meaning that he reveals himself through different horses through, in every generation. In every generation, there's this galus of Shekhinah in a different way. We'll get to that in a minute. That's number one. This is the idea that he would turn over the page. That the Ebrister is Roichev, al Kruv Kal, and a light Kruv Shalom. And the second one, Be'inyana Aliyah, is in his elevation. And this that it says, that he, that he, that he soars through the 18,000 worlds. That's his elevation upwards. What's the idea? Why up is 18,000? Even though there is only really, if you want to really divide the world into general categories, we say there's four worlds. There's Olam Asiyah, Olam Ayetzirah, Olam Abriyah, and Olam Atzilah. It's four worlds. Yet, more specifically, it's 18,000 worlds. Biyah. Atzilah is This is in general. There's 18,000, and these 18,000 include worlds that are higher than Atsilus and worlds that are lower. And the word shot soaring can be bain ba'aliyah, ma'atsilus lamayla, from Atsilus upward. Hakodesh Baruchu, who is in Atsilus, is shot, which means he is he's soaring into the worlds above Atsilus. Also in a descent, from Atzilus to the feminine worlds, which are all part of emanating from the Shechina, which is called the feminine worlds, as he's descending downward. And that is in the name of Elohim, what he probably means in the feminine worlds. Generations, I'm not exactly sure. As stated in Kabbalah, the horses go in both directions. Um, let's just read a little, small, little part of the next piece before we take a break, because it's it's one hemshach. So to understand this idea of the horse that the king is riding on. That the horse ha- that the king rides on a horse in a manner of Yerida, he's descending. That the Abishta reveals himself on a horse. The Gam meaning every day this happens. We say every day. And also in general, the whole Shis Alma. In the eighteen thousand, I'm sorry, in the six thousand years that the world is, the Abishta is continuously coming down on the horse. 
So he explains a fascinating thing. In every generation, the godly revelation is different. And this explains so beautifully why you need a Rebbe. Why you need a Bidah connected to a Tzaddik. So awesome. Because generally, Jews are very into Masorah. Masorah means that you're very into what tradition is. And there are some people that are very, very stiff. And that they don't adapt any adaptations to say there's a particular avoid in this generation or so-and-so. People are very, you know, it was mashahaya hushayya. And that's a very good thing. The Jewish people need that. Because chas v'shalom, if we, if, we're, if, we're, if we allow change, then who knows what we can do. But yet, we do find that throughout the generations, tzaddikim came along. And they kind of shifted the emphasis to different things. And the, those who were stubborn and said, Chadash, it's new, how do you do that? It's like total new, what are you doing? How can you shift the emphasis? But based on what we learn now, that there is, the divine revelation manifests itself differently in every generation. So you talk a need to have tzaddikim who know in what avoda and in what aspect there is godly revelation in that generation. It can be very different. As he explains over here, let's just see these beautiful words. And that means that the Abishter is using different horses. The horses are like the couriers that carry him down. And every generation is different. And every generation and every time. There is godly revelation in the lowly world, Shalanu, in our lowly world. In different manners, the Hine, for example, in the days of the of the sages of the Mishnah and the days of the Tanoim, the godly everybody knows that the, that where where was the energy and where was it happening? It was happening in Torah study. They were giant Torah studies, Torah scholars. That was where the party was taking place. Torah about that. If you wanted a religious experience, you wanted a godly experience, you went to the yeshiva of Rabbi Yechanan and you learned Torah about that. You went to this yeshiva, you went to that yeshiva. The Mishnah the Talmud, the Mishnah and the Talmud, that was where the that was satur, was potent, it was pulsating with life. Now, interesting, he says, it's not only compared to our generation that in today's days we don't have such godly, intense light in our learning like they had, but not only that even compared to prior generations. The generations before the Tanoi, before the sages of the Mishnah, during the time of the first and second Beis Amigdash, which was before the Mishnah, the Mishnah began mainly this latter part of the second Beis Amigdash, even though they studied Torah, it was not with such intensity, on the same level, in the same way. It was not in the manner in the generations that preceded them. And even in the early generations, Without any question, in the days of David Melech, in the days of the Bayes Rishon, there was godly revelation in Torah Shabbat Peh. In the in when people study Torah, it wasn't as intense like in the days of the Tanoi. But does that mean there was less godly revelation? No, there was godly revelation, but it wasn't in that part of the body. It wasn't in the Torah. You know where it was. It wasn't the prophets. In the, in, during the first base of Mikdash, Hashem revealed Himself in the prophets. There were prophets. There weren't sages. There were prophets. There were sages too, but the sages were not 
at the eye of the storm, so to speak. The prophets were at the eye of the storm. Then when that phase ended and the prophecy went away, Torah took its place. The, the, the godly projection was in, in Limuda Torah. And the Torah stages, they had the Hashra, Sashchina was in them. And godly revelation wasn't something else. In the days of the first Beisamidish. More than in the time of the second temple, where already the Tanoim began. It was the time, it was prophecy. Lenevian to the prophets, and the like. Revelation in the Beis Amigdash, for instance. In the miracles of the Beis Amigdash and the like. The Imkain Anuroyim. So we see Shinoi Oifanim. There's different manners. Bibchines Gili Alakus. In godly revelation. Achein Doir Doimelechaveroi. There isn't a generation that's compared to the other one. Klal. Shebedor Zem is Gala Alakus Bedover Zeh. In one generation, Alakus is revealed in one way. Ubedor Zeh. And in another generation, Bedor Acher. Bedover Acher and something else. Like we see different manners in godly revelation. Even after the time of the sages of the mission. For example, in the day of the Gaonim, the Gaonim period was after the Talmud was closed. So there was a period afterward called the period of the Rabbanan Savra'i. And after that came a period of the Gaonim. And he says that the godly revelation during the day of the Ga'onim, like Rav Hai Ga'on, Rav Chista Ga'on, whatever, Rav Shrira Ga'on, these various different Ga'onim, they had their own style, it changed in, in, in the latter generations, in the days of the early Poiskim. Um, Poiskim are... Uh, how do you translate Poiskim? Uh, halacha codifiers or Shachreim, uh, Komoy Harif, like the Rif, the Rambam, and the Rambam. Ubali Taisvis and the Bali Taisvis. It's interesting, he doesn't explain how it was different. He just says it was different. That the godly revelation of the Gaonic period was different than the Rishonim period of, the, of, the, of Rambam, Rif, and Taisvis. And then came the season of the Kabbalists, for instance. And like Kabbalah was the thing. And in Kabbalah was the godly revelation. He doesn't mention that, but he says it changed from generation to generation. To the godly revelation in the latter generations that are close to our times. There were many different ways. And I would imagine it took on a different form through the Baal Shem Tov and the like. In our generation, Ikur the main godly revelation who be mitzvahs gemilas chasadim is in the mitzvah of tzedakah. Because where do you, if you want to encounter God, where is godly with Hashem? More in the in the acts of doing tzedakah than in, than in Torah study. The Alter Rebbe says that in Tanya, and he writes that in our generation the shechina fell down to the legs. He says the shechina yarda, the shechina fell down to the akvayim. So the only way to it. To raise the Shechina is through Maisa of Mitzvahs, more than Limudat Torah. And he says, Veloy Amru, they didn't say Talmud Torah, Keneget Kulam, only in their generations when they were great, where, the, where, the, where the energy was focused in the head. Now the energy is focused in the leg. And I know that there was whatever, a big Misnaged uh, who, who, who was, when it came out against Lubavitch and this and that, he writes, You see, 
the problem with Chabad, really, you can find already the Shoresh of the, of, the, of, the, of the problem already in the Alter Rebbe and the Tanya. Because he writes this, he negates Torah study. So as I mentioned, if you're very stiff and you just want to see things like just it was yesterday's way, well, okay. But if you realize that, if, and if you're, if you're sensitive to the nuances, then you realize. And the Rebbe, in our generation, where is Gilead Lakus? The stories that happen, there's such unbelievable, Gilead Lakus, godly miracles happen. In Mitzvah, the people that are out in the street meeting Jews, doing mitzvahs with Jews, hopping in to do mitzvahs, the godly revelations that happen over there, the miracles that happen are stunning. It's unbelievable. You see, it's in every generation in that. And that's what I mentioned earlier, you need the tzaddik to, to guide you in what the avoda of that generation is. There's a time that the main godly ratio of revelation is in prayer. There's a time that's in Torah. There's a revelation after revelation. According to the time, sometimes the main thing is it has to be this revelation, Dafka. The intention is one thing, there should be godly revelation. But the kalim are different. Comes different And this is the idea that Hashem is riding on a horse. Sometimes he's riding on a white horse. Sometimes he's riding on a black horse. Sometimes he's riding on a polka-dotted horse. And every day, and in every time, sometimes for a few generations, how should Hashem reveal Himself from His concealed state? In which vessel? This is the idea of Inyan Shot Bechai Elif Olamos. That Hashem soars in 18,000 worlds. Befrat, Bechol in every day. In every day also. In the morning, Hashem is revealed in davening. A few hours later, it's in the Zman of, it's in the Avoid, a little bit after, it's now in learning. Then it's in Kemilas Chasadim. You have to tune in, you have to live with the times. Okay. Now he's going to say where the Gadi revelation was in the days of Achashverosh. We're going to continue in a few minutes. We'll take a break. That's all because Shmuel had made a Sarusadilatata for a break. He asked, when is going to be the break? So that was Ma'ayda, the Indian of a break. Continue. After the during the time of Golos. So um Ozai then hoises lapshes ashchina beklipas noiga. See, up till now we're talking about a sus or horse uh, that's bringing the shechina down in a level of giliyalukus in a mitzvah. What the mitzvah is changes at times in limud Torah, at times in mitzvah satzedaka, in times at uh, at uh, in in uh, all these various different uh, diff- different different modes of divine service, but it's all kedushin. During the time of Golos, the Hislapshus of Shechina goes already into Klippa. 
So it's interesting, in a different mimer that we learned, the mimer preceding this mimer, it's a beautiful, beautiful, phen- phenomenal mimer that we learned years ago. Over there the Altadeb explains, Taka, that during the time of Golos, the Abishter is not riding on a horse. By Matan he's riding on a horse. He's Megala through these Oseis. But in the time of Golos, he's riding on a gazelle. Because when you want to go to a very, very, very high mountain, or you want to go to a very deep, steep canyon, a horse can't go there. Only these creatures. But he says, really, the truth is, a person can't ride on them. These animals climb into very, very, like these... Uh, um, um, they call the yak or whatever these creatures that can climb they can be on mamish they can climb on sheer cliffs very very high high peaks and very low and they run they're able to run magnificently on these on these like you can't believe that but obviously a person can't ride on them because they also ride very fast so the Abishter, however, as it says, the Abishter goes riding on these to come down during Gauls to be mislabish in the clip. And he says that the Islapshus is on a level so high, so high. That's why it's, it's from a level that's loy adamhu. Since a person can't ride on it, so the, his Gauls, the revelation of the Abishter, is from a level where Hashem is not called Adam, even above Adam, because Adam cannot ride on them. Okay, whatever. I'm just, it could be that that's related to what he's saying in the Mimer over here as well. Until now we spoke about the horses. And then there is a, now he's saying, that And because, and he said earlier, the horse, when we said from the Tzedek earlier, when the king is riding on a horse, then what? Then he's discriminating. Then he doesn't go into the Klippa. So we said earlier, the horse evokes pride. And the pride evokes to where, that where he's going to go, where he's not going to go. But how suddenly, how do you have it? You can't say it's, that's what was bothering me when I was learning this. can't say it's a regular, okay. And now he's mislavish. But we just said that the horse's Indian is not to bring the Abish to dafke b'makim shahara'u, not to b'makim shahara'u. So that it fits well with what we learned in the other mimer that during the time of Golos, Taka Yerida is not through a horse, it's through another animal. Taka doesn't have that Indian of gaiva. The Shekhinah is in a, in a state Adarabah where she lets herself be dragged into Gullah, so to speak. She's very humble in a sense to allow the, the, the Klippa to rule over her. In any case, Now interesting, in the, in the Mimer of the Tzemach Tzedek, over here, it says, But over here, just between the word there's an added three lines. It's not even in parentheses. It's just part of the Pinima Maimer, which is very Yishmak. He says that the, 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 the Shechina enclosed itself in the good part of Klippa. The good part of Noiga, because the Shechina will not be in the Slabish Chas in the Ra of Klippa. So Noiga is a mixture of good and bad. So it's the good side of the Klippa. What's the good side of the Klippa? Strange. In Vashti. Why in Vashti? So he says, Vashti is known as a... Let me just open it up over here. So I find it. Give me a second. Where is the mimer over here? Um...
right over here. Oh, the Hindu is Manachash Vedish Begolus Bais Rishon Oz, Oz, I hoist a slapshot as Shina, Bepchenas Klipas Noiga, Bepchenas Toiv Shebe Noiga, Shenikra Vashti. Why Vashti? Al Derech Ad Mosai Atem Poischem Al Shtei Hasifim. Vashti comes from Shtei. Vashti, Shtei. Shtei means two. That means that she represents, what's Klipa? Klipas Noga is, one side is Kedusha, one side is the other side. It's, it's this middle, it, it, it fluctuates between holy bittel and not bittel. Vashti is that, that idea. And the Yohanavi says, you know, why are you going up Shteyasifim? Either here or there. You're in a Klipa Noga state over here. You're mixed, you're mixed up, you're confused. Shehu Klipas Noga, Sheyejba Toivera. That's jumping in two places. we say You straighten out my legs, he says, like an ayolos, which the two legs look like one, which means it's only it's unified. She stands, yidn stand, holiness, Knesset Yisrael, is unified only to Kadusha, Nishtahin and Nishtaher. And he says, the shayrish of the yanika of Vashti, of Klipas Noiga, mepchenaz vayachatz l'shtei machnois. It says vayakoy, that he split l'shtei machnois. Once he did a split, there's two, there's hin and hair, there's wishy-washy, l'shtei machnois. V'chein achashveirosh. Achashveirosh also, whether it's hinted to in the word of achash, you can hear it in achashveirosh, it sounds like he's a confused guy. But in addition to that, I think the Gemara says about him, he was a fa- Hafachfach. He's a guy who keeps on changing his mind. First he's angry at his queen, then he regrets that he killed her. Then he loves his friend, then he promotes him, then he kills his friend. You see, he's, he's he and in hair. So this represents a psyninium from Klippa that's here and there. It's, it's, sometimes it's, 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 it's bottled, sometimes it's not bottled. The whole story of Vashti with Achashverish, Asha Nigzarela. And what does it mean it was decreed upon her? What was the story? It was decreed upon Vashti Ashaloi Tovoi Vashti that she shouldn't come before the king. What does that mean? That the, there was decreed that the Oirin Saif should not dwell in her. In other words, first there was an Islam. You realize that this is in the end of Golas. So when once Vashti was told she can't come anymore, what was that saying? Goodbye, Klippa. Ois, Shafartik. Right? The Shashchina is not going to be in Hillary Clinton. Or in uh, or in the Donald Trump. It's time to go back home. No more of that stuff. The the Gilealakus will not be in the good of Noiga. Oh, and now he continues. And back to the mimer that we're learning over here. And the similar idea. Just like the first story of the Megillah is the Hashra Sashchina in Achashverosh and Vashti, and at a certain point, stop, gegangen, no more. But as similar to this Indian is when the king gives his tabas to Haman, again the Shechina is getting caught up in the clip. See, first, in other words, first it's in Vashti, it's Golis. Then the Abishta withdraws. But I guess like this withdrawal and this this extraction can't happen as though you want overnight. It's like. After you have a gullus for 70 years, the Shechina was in gullus, so she comes out and then she dips back in. She comes out and, like you see what happens. The Abishter gives 
after she's finally, we got rid of one Roshanta, one, one wicked woman, and then a little while later, who's appointed? Haman is appointed. And Bepnimius and Yanam, who's appointing him? The king. Who's the king? The Abishter. And what is he giving to Haman? He's giving his tabas. What does that mean? That means that there is a hashra of the Oirein Saif in Tahaman. He's going to explain very strongly what that tabas is. And we're going to see part of the struggle over here in Kedusha is to wrench away the tabas that Hashem gave to Haman to wrench it away and give it to Mordechai. Because in the end of the story, what happens? The very tabas they took off from Haman because when they hung Haman up, they took away the tabas from him, the, the signet ring. And who did they give it to? They gave it to Mordechai. So here there was a tug of war between where is the Orin Saif going to be Shireh? Who gets God's attention? As we're going to see soon that Haman was a nasty schemer. He was working his way very, very diligently to reach up to a place very, very high where from there God can favor him. But the Jews beat him as he's going to explain. And they're giving, but, but I don't want anybody to lose it. It was a little hard for me when I'm learning the Mimer to chapsach the hemshach and yarn the continuation. So I think you're following. He explained the idea of, of susim, of horses. He says there's two types of horses. He said one horse goes up, the other horse is a hamshacha down. In continuation to the idea that the king is being nizgale, means he's channeling his energy to somebody through the horse, he continues that during the time of Gaulus there was also a hamshacha a flow of the divinity, but it went not exactly in the right place. For whatever purpose, it needed to do a birur there, it needed to do a rectification, so it went into Vashti. Pulled out of Vashti, and what happens now? Tabask is given to Haman. What's the idea? Kumashikosov, like it says, he removed this tabas from his hand, and he gave it to him. He's going to explain why the tabas is so powerful. Who, Gamkein Inyan, this idea is also the idea of oifenis lapshus it's a manner in which divinity, godliness, is enclosed itself. Through different kalim. Also quoting, borrowing a term from the Megillah, kalim mikalim shainim. And one of the kalim in which the Abishter expresses himself is through his tabas. The Indian shalat tabas, and what's the idea of the tabas? It's the signet of the king. Now, they, now here's the thing. The signet is very interesting. On the one hand, what is it? It's an object. It's not the king. It's an object. Yet, when, the, when, when, the, when, it's, when it's sealed, once the king sealed it, you see even the, even the king can't revoke it. You see, Achashverosh later tells when Mordechai and, and, and Esther beg for him that he should, re, he should cancel the letters that he sent out to destroy the Jewish people. Achashverosh says, I can't. Because even the king can't veto it. Can't veto it. What does he have to do? He wrote new letters that the Jewish people can fight back and that he's going to send his army to support their counter-offensive, uh, to fight back against them. But the one that they gave, that he gave to Haman, ain't lahashif. So what does that mean, that there is a tabas over here, that something is given from that's ain't lahashif? What is the tabas? It's an external thing, yeah. But it has the king's name. And what does it represent? He's going to say it represents the king kind of projects into his signet ring his ruts on his will. Because what does really mean? I mean, when the king, when the king signs something with this tabas, means I'm extended my ruts on to you. I want this. In front of the king, proposals come all day long. All kinds of proposals. 
Some of them he tears up. Some of them get him very angry and he throws them out the window. Some of them he throws into the fire. Some of them he reads. Some of them he just dismisses. Some of them get him very excited and he supports. And he puts his, and he puts his stamp. What does the stamp of approval mean? I'm giving you my rutzel. The rutzel is the deepest part of the, of the human being. Your rutzel is your makif. Your rutzel is your very you. As he explained it over here. Once he seals with a with a signet ring, and in his name, in his ring is is engraved his name. Even though there isn't in this signature in this seal, only the na- the letters of his name. And definitely the name of a person doesn't have any erech, doesn't have any value, doesn't have any comparison to the very essence of the person. Just like by way of analogy. When a person signs Ruven ben Yaakov, it's not the substance of Ruven in that he probably wrote, wrote Ruven. So he wrote Ruven. That's not his, that's not his substance. It's only his name. Nevertheless, you can't say it's not you, it is you. In this chasima is given over from the very substance of the person. The Indian who and the idea is. He's with this chasima, he is he is not validating, or he's he's um what would be the word? Makayim. He's he's fulfilling. Upholding, fulfilling, he's easy. The will of a soul. It's basically that he says, whatever has that signature has my will. That means he puts his will into the, into the seal. And the seal contains his will. And, and, the, and the person's will, that's, that's the very you. To the point where he can't revoke it anymore. He can't, as we said before, he can't veto it. Ratzon is from the innermost of the soul. So this will be understood for the wise people, for those that are wise above. This is what it says. On the tzitz, engrave it with the signet, with a seal. That means the Abishter put in that signet his ratzon. Because where is the Abishter's ratzon? In the, in the Jewish people. Like it says earlier, the Indian who and the idea is, the Patabazu in this ring, Nechtam Giloi Ratzon Elian, is sealed the revelation of the supernal will. Even though they're just letters. But in those letters, the Mashal we said earlier. You can't reach, we can't, we can't revoke that. Like it says, if God said, he wants, he's not going to do. That's what means how terrible it was. When the Abishta gave his tabas to Haman, it means when Klippa got a hold of this level, when Klippa was able to receive that ratzon, it basically means that God gave them His will. Shreklach. And here's the strangest thing. At times this tabas is given to Haman. 
And at times it's given to Mordechai. Even though they are distant from each other, with utter distance. How can, how can the will so deep, the innermost of the king, be given to Haman and Mordechai? Like, who? Who is your friend? Who's your buddy? Who's your pal over here? And the answer is, because, because of, since we're dealing with the essence, Ratzon's essence, for the essence of the king, darkness and light are equal. Good and bad are equal. That's why Haman so badly wanted the ring. Haman knows that in the ring he stands a chance. If he's trying to get the king in a conversation, reason, this, that, that means the king already in a lower place, he's not going to be successful because from the realm of reason, is there any reason to, to favor Haman over the Jewish people, over Mordechai Tzadik? Talking about in the spiritual, forget about Haman and Nachashverosh in the physical. But in the inner story, is there any explanation that Klippa can claim deservance over the Jewish people? No. But the tabas, which is a level deeper than, than, than a person's external considerations, it has to do just with your pure will. And on the level of will, on the level of God, is so infinite that the worlds are nothing to him, including the good and the bad in the world is nothing to him. So therefore, Haman stands a chance. That's the whole Indian of Purim, as he's going to explain. Purim is all a gyrol. It's to go to a place where the Abishter is so high, it's not decided by any external factors. That's why Haman says, And that's the same idea. Now he's, 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 he's going to line up another idea with the same idea of the tabas, of the ring. Just like the ring represents the oisiyos, the essence, the letters of the king's name, which is the ratzon that the king is giving into that tabas. Such a, I mean, in other words, giving the tabas to Haman means giving Haman the, the favor from the king's desire, from Hashem's desire. Similar to that is the idea that Haman is asking for the horse, but not stand the horse. He's saying the horse that the king's crown was given upon him. It's not doesn't mean he's saying, give me the crown. What he's saying is, let, let's, let, let this person ride, he thought it's himself, let him ride on the horse that the king rode on when the crown was put on his head. In that which the Kesar Malchus was given to him. What does Kesar Malchus mean? So Kesar, we know always, is connected to Ratzon. Just like the Chasima is the king's Ratzon, Kesar is always Ratzon. Malchus means, Malchus. Kesar Malchus means the Ratzon to be king. Which is the crown to Midas HaMalchus. Why does Malchus need a crown? Even though it says that Hashem's kingdom is the kingdom of all worlds. We know the whole Indian of Rosh Hashanah that we always learn in all the Rosh Hashanah my modern, is that we have to evoke by Hashem a desire to be king. Because naturally that desire expires. Why? Because he explains. Because the whole idea of a king requires an am. It requires a king is king over subjects. But by the Abish that whole thing is impossible. There's no subjects that are not him. There's no Dover Nifrat. The answer is the Abish has to make believe there's something Nifrat. 
He has to create something that appears to be nifrad. So if it's only appearing to be nifrad, it's like, like, like there's no real Indian of Malchus, be'emes. Oh, so the Ebishnah has to create a Ratzon within himself to want this Malchus. And he creates them Yashmeyayin. And if he creates something Yashmeyayin, that means he is the reality of that whole thing. So it's all him. <laughs> How can he be a king over them? So you have to constantly fuel the Malchus with Keser. And that is that he should desire in this Ispashtus, in this expansion of this Meluch. So that's the same Indian like Chosem Tabas. What does Haman want? He wants the Tabas. He wants the Keser Malchus, which means he wants the Eberstus Ratzon of the Eberstus Malchus, that God should have a kingdom of Amalek, not a kingdom of, imagine. Instead of God having a kingdom of the Jewish people, Hashem should have a kingdom of, of Amalek, of Chazafreses. That should be the Eberstus kingdom. An evil empire, instead of an empire of goodness and holiness. He was challenging the very, very fabric of creation. He wanted to change the rules forever, the rules of the game, fundamental rules. That you can be talking about the horse, the horse that the king in these letters, like the chaysam, in the in the horse's letters we mentioned earlier also, the horse, in the letters of the of, of is where the is where the ratzon is nimshach. Shazau nikrod kasser malchus. Kamoshikasav eliyo kasser malchus aleyer itmar magid meiraisis achris. What's reishis achris? Achris is malchus. Reishis is kasser. Magid meiraisis achris to be mamshich. Magid means to be mamshich. To be mamshich from reishis from kasser into achris into malchus. V'day lemeir. V'nei achar shenitin kasser malchus ebesus. After the Kesar Malchus, this Ratzon was given onto the horse. But the mistake that he made was that if you put it on the horse, and what does the horse do? The horse is Raimamus, the horse is pride. And then the horse that the king rides elevated the king. To a state of Raimimus, to a state of elevation and Geyos, and now, Achem is Talikman Arishayim, until he actually goes away from the wicked, and he dwells only. So, actually, that's what we asked early in the beginning of the Mimer. Why is this the pivotal change? And the answer is because once he evokes the horse, which brings him to give the Tabas away from Haman to Mordechai. Well, because the horse, that's what will cause that the bass should go from Haman to Mordechai. But you have to understand what, what was Haman's cheshbin, why he wanted the horse. If the horse is the Indian of Shem Samach Gimel, which is an Indian of Aliyah Lamaila, which is an Indian of Esnasos, that I don't understand. Unless because of his extreme gasos and Esnasos, he thought that he's even... <laughs> to love Yaakov as Esau Sanesi. And the Ebrister says, I love Yaakov and I hate Esau. That the Chosam and the Kesar Malchus should go Dafka to Knesset Yisrael 
and to hate those who transgress his will of the Dilemate. I'm thinking that um, now so now the Mimer I'm thinking that maybe the rest of the Mimer I should teach next week since it's anyways going to be the week before Purim because the oif two over here is going to be because the next, the whole next phase of the mimer is explaining a whole new, in a whole under, deeper understanding on the idea of Purim being lamay lamatam Vidas and on the level of rotsin. I think I'm going to leave this. I think I should leave it because I'm not going to go learn a whole new mimer next week on Purim. We'll just, we'll just further explain this this Indian. Actually, I'm happy because I got a lot more clarity just teaching it today, uh, at least up till this part. And we'll finish it as a session. What? Wow. The mimer is an abstract mimer, it is. Yeah. That's the idea. That the, even though Kesher Kaira, the Abishta makes a choice. Yeah, look, 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 in, look in the page, page Kufchaf, page before. Look on the top of page Kufchaf. Kach Lamaila, the first column. Nesoyer Gamkin Lius Moyes Barishoyim, Kweshakosav has Ace of Sanesi. Now, we said earlier why does from Avram come out Yishmael? Because, because of Raimamos, because he doesn't care, because everybody's equal. So what's the big deal if I give him? But he says, When you're in a state of, of elevation, but you're not in a state of Raimamos. You're elevated because you're elevated. You're an elevated being and it doesn't matter. And he explains, Even though it says that the spider is chased by everybody besides by the king because the king doesn't care about it. When the spider is there, in a manner when the king is not being mashgiach, he's in a state where he's not being mashgiach on a small matter. That's what I was. When he, yeah, heightened the awareness of his of his power, his strength, his might, and that there shouldn't be anything in his, in his empire or in his palace or in his vicinity that is against his will. In other words, when the orange soif is in a state of anivos, of just, you know, without, in a sense of self-awareness of what it is, the 
So that's what he's talking about over here. The sus that Haman was, 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 was brought out caused this intensification of the Roimimus. And as it caused the intensification of the Roimimus, it pulled, he pulled away from Haman. Yeah. It was, he brought about his own downpour. Yeah, his own. Yeah.